Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reliving the Extreme. I'm Nate Maxson, your host, and this week on the show, no show review, unfortunately, but what we do have is I'm going to take you back in time a little bit, a little context here. Uh, you know we have a number of shows here on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network that you can listen to anytime, anytime that you uh, and anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcasts. And one such show is called the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. That was actually the first show in the uh, in the pantheon of shows that we do here at the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. And a long time ago, well, not a long time ago, maybe almost three years ago, back in 2020, uh, we had Chad Austin as a guest on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And that was the first time that Aaron, Chad, and I got together and had a conversation. So it was kind of the genesis of the impetus of, of the Reliving the Extreme show was our conversation with Chad on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Um... And by the way, if you want to check that show out, I highly encourage it. It's a uh, we talk a lot of old school wrestling. There's there's a lot of comedy involved, as you hear with this show. It's like that on the We Can't Wrestle podcast as well. We do like reviews of old pay per views. Uh, we have our own Hall of Fame. We even have a Hall of Shame. So if you want to check out the We Can't Wrestle podcast, feel free to do that. I appreciate that support. But however, back to what I was saying. Uh, we had Chad as a guest on the We Can't Wrestle podcast back in 2020, and uh, I just wanted to play that interview for everybody this week. I hadn't heard it in a long time, went back and listened to it, and thought you might be entertained by it as well. Um, do excuse the audio quality. Uh, back at that point, I had not yet upgraded anything studio-wise or anything, so actually it sounds like we're all talking to each other in 1985 on a telephone. But it is still a very entertaining interview. And again, like I said, it was kind of the beginning and the impetus for this show with the three of us getting together and talking about pro wrestling for a little while and uh, getting to know each other. So go ahead, take a little trip back in time with me to, uh, I think it's April of 2020. And uh, our interview with Chad Austin on the We Can't Wrestle podcast that, like I said, kind of got the ball rolling for this show. So enjoy, everybody. All right, listeners, we are joined here this evening in the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate and Aaron are here with you. Aaron, hello, sir. Hello. And we are joined by, you know, WWE used to talk about ECW originals with their bullshit ECW in 2007 or whenever that was. We're talking to a real ECW original. Mr. Chad Austin, welcome to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Did you look that up? Did you write that? Actually, did you, did you write that intro? No, no, I did not. <laughs> so, you did, how, how was I an ECW original? Well, I I was there when it was Eastern Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Does that make me an original? That makes you an original to me. Yeah, I know. I I, I love I love the fact that people like Bully are in Bubba, and some of the other guys they don't. Well, they they've never not considered me an original. But when they heard about me, they go, "How is he an original?" And Tommy Dreamer had to go like, "You don't remember Chad Austin." <laughs> Well, Chad, how is it going out there? I know Chad's at a bonfire right now. Yeah, man, I'm at a friend's house. This 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 whole entire quarantine has got everybody down, and we're, we're actually sitting at a at a friend's house. Me and my wife are hanging out with another couple, and we're wearing our masks, sitting at a bonfire. <laughs> but they're like neighbors. I saw so they... we're just getting out of the house, yeah. you know, and. It's it's less than ten people. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We can we can get together. And and, and, you, and you guys do know you do know that alcohol kills everything. <laughs> yes, that's why I'm doing it. 
Yeah, well, I've been drinking since uh, Friday of 91. <laughs> good man, good man. We usually get pretty hammered while we're doing the show, so that tends to be the case. Um, Chad, I really appreciate you being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, Chad is also part of our We Can't Wrestle podcast Facebook group. So, Chad, the first thing I wanted to ask you is who trained you in the business? When did you get started? Um, what attracted you to – actually, what attracted you to wrestling first? What, what made you a fan? The men in tights. <laughs> Boy, I got to tell you. <laughs> it was uh, – you know, hello, Frisco. Uh, <laughs> no, it was – um. <laughs> Uh, see, I'm, I'm 47 and, and, uh, my father said that he took me to see Bruno and, and, uh, and Graham at Baltimore in 77. So I would have been five and I didn't remember that, you know, I didn't, even when I got the tape years later, I didn't even, none of it made sense. And just one of the earliest things that I saw was, um, uh, when Valentine broke uh, Chief J's leg, when Valentine broke Chief J Strongbow's leg, because that you know I'm a Baltimore guy, man, right? Yeah, I'm a Baltimore guy, so I, I got WWE. Yeah, here, and, here, and I was here like, in Ohio, what the fuck that's is this? Got. I can cuss, right? No, fuck yes. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, you know, I was like, what the what the hell is this? And then I started watching it, and and dude, it got it got to the point where, like, I got so obsessed that if I had to miss it for some reason, I would take a tape recorder and set it next to the TV. And if I didn't have a VCR, I would record the audio <laughs> of the stuff. I mean, that was like the late 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 seventies. It was just the whole entire, the fascination. It was the magic. It was the magic of how it was presented. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, the escape from reality, the larger-than-life characters. Um, I mean... Well, well, well don't, even, don't even forget that I wasn't smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what so I was So I didn't ask. even know how it worked. That's what I was going to ask, because even at a younger age, were you like, you know, I know this isn't, I know this isn't real, but I'm just fascinated on how these guys do it. Yeah, was that a thing in your mind? Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it kind it kind of was, but uh, I'm I'm a, I'm guessing that I was more leaning towards that it was real, yeah. but I just don't know why they're doing it, or or you know, and I'm just like, this is how is this guy wrestling? He just he just fought like last week, <laughs> like on like Johnny Rods, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, he just got beat up last week. And he's just showing up again, and I'm thinking, like, how many times have these jobbers got to get beat up yeah, like, before they realize maybe we're in the wrong business? Yeah, like if I went, if I went to work out, <laughs> fucked it up like royally each time, I'd just be like, you know what? It might be time to find another line of work. <laughs> but not Johnny. He's just, oh, yeah, of course. Johnny on the spot, showing up every night. Not- <laughs> this might be the day, guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so what do you? <laughs> well, so what do you do? You get to the you get to the locker room and you see there's a tag team there, and it says, and then you look at you get Johnny Rod, and he walks over to Jose Estrada and goes, "This could be our day." Yeah. <laughs> and the, then the other guy, the other guys, and Martel. the other this guys, could... yeah, the other guys, like I'm not gonna win. I'm teaming with Johnny Rods. 
Yeah, you know, even if it's somebody who's not even as good as Johnny Ross, he knows they're, they're not going to win. He's like, not only are we not going to win, then I'm taking the pin. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things. That was one of my favorite things about wrestling. Like, I love the jobbers. And I always, like, I always, I always knew that I was never going to be a big a big guy because my thick, my, my, my physical stature, I'm basically an Eddie Gilbert that didn't take steroids. <laughs> That's that my size. Yeah. And, and Eddie Gilbert's my mentor and my, and my hero. And I just, I just kind of had to learn how to work through Eddie Gilbert, how to get over, like how to work your, your size. But I always loved the choppers, even to the point where when I was a kid, I made a list I took a folder and put the paper in it. Every time I saw a guy get beat up on TV, I wrote his name in the book. And every once in a while, I go through the book and I see guys' names like Mick Foley, um, you know, other random guys that, you know, even um, Rick, oh, Jesus Christ, Bullpain, who's a friend of mine. Now I can't even think of his name. He's going to fucking beat me up over this because he's a good friend of mine. And I can't remember his job name in WWE. Um, but guys like that, you're like, all these guys were jobber guys. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I got in, I got into business because my uncle at the time who was an uncle by marriage was a famous WWE job guy. And I mean, when I mean famous, I mean, he was famous. Barry Hardy was his name. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 And he, and he teamed up, and he, he well, I mean, believe me, I'm using the word famous very, very strong. Well, well I, and, knew, I knew who you were talking and, about. And, loose, and loosely. <laughs> Would that be uh, Rick Gatner? Is that his job name? Bull Payne? Rick Gatner. Yeah, fuck yeah. You got it, man. Rick Gatner. And and uh, I used to live with Bull, man. I used to live with him. I love the guy. He's the best, yeah. And, yeah, but uh, uh, Barry Hardy teamed up with um, Dwayne Gill. On, on WWE TV, and he was my cousin by marriage or whatever, and he had a ring at his house, and I was still in high school, and I'd go over there, and I just I just hang out with the guys, and we're talking like late '80s independent wrestling guys, bad. Because <laughs> if you think early '90s, early '90s independent wrestling guys, bad, it was bad. You got to see late '80s independent wrestling guys bad. One of the things I was—that's a whole different kind of bad. One of the things I was going to ask you about was uh, the metal maniac type the, guy. The because uh, the, I was a PW or a uh, yeah a a pro wrestling illustrated kid, and they covered a lot of the East Coast independents in the early '90s. I was going to ask you if you worked with any of those guys at some point. That's that's coming up. <laughs> You know, those names, like Don Montoya. Um, yeah. Yeah, Don Montoya I did, and that's fucked up. Because I would be like, Don Montoya would be one of the guys that I wouldn't shit on. <laughs> um, uh, no, I wouldn't. I, actually, I wouldn't shit on anybody. My 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 only thing was... Um, it, it really, it really depended. Uh, it really depended on where I was at with ECW. Like, if it was that time period where I was kind of getting pushed, I, I really, I really couldn't do a whole lot. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I couldn't. I, I never minded putting people over, but I, I felt like I really shouldn't 
because I don't know where, you know, my push is going. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to get that stigma or whatever put on you, and then you go there, and it's like, well, we just saw you in... Yeah, and then I go back to ECW. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right, man. That's what I thought. Like, I, I felt like I was in a bad way because, you know, I was doing all these little shitty, you know, I, I, I love doing the spot towns. That's my favorite. And doing the spot towns... And somebody asked me to put over a midget or something one night, you know, and I just like beat fucking Mikey for the fucking ECW TV title. And they're like, well, we want to we put over a midget. And I was like, I don't think I can do that. And the guy's like, oh, look at you. You get one win on TV. I mean, even though there wasn't the internet, that still couldn't have been a huge booming community of people. I mean, the same people had to be going around watching those shows and everything. So, you know what I mean? Like, if you get that stigma of this guy... Are you saying that nobody would have seen it? No, I'm saying that that more like people would have seen it because there are probably people going from promotion to promotion fan-wise, so they'd see you on one show losing to a midget, and then they're supposed to believe a week later on ECW that you can go in the man or Mikey Whiprack or whatever. So I get what you're saying. Yeah, because I didn't know how far... ECW's TV carried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're watching me and, um, I, you know, I, I didn't, like, believe me, when I took a booking for Kaiser West Virginia, I didn't call the TV, the TV studios to ask which, which independent pro wrestling shows they're carrying <laughs> to see if I'm worried about my career or not. That, that wasn't a priority of mine. So I really didn't care, but I just didn't want anything... Dude, listen to this shit. When I went to, um, I, I don't know if you guys even know this, that um, I'm, I'm guessing that I worked for WCW before I worked for Smoky Mountain. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, right, I mean, did you want to get did you want to get there later on, or did you want to just no, go we, as it goes? We can, yeah, we'll just flow as it goes. That's fine. We can just be all over the place. Yeah, I get a, I, I get a call from um, from Jody Hamilton. And I had just started getting the underdog push on ECW. And make no mistake about it, as much as I love Mikey and and, and think he did, a, he, did, he did a better job than I would have done, 100%, um, that was my spot. I, I fucked that spot up. And I, I never told anybody that I never did. I fucked that spot up. And um, I get a phone call from Jody and I was never an ECW guy. Like, I was never, that wasn't my style. I didn't want to be there. I got sick of getting beat up. Go back and watch, go back and Google me on the, in ECW and ask me if I had a fantastic time going there. <laughs> and I was, I was more of a, I, fuck, I didn't, yeah, you know what I mean? I was Tennessee, all, I was Tennessee, man. Fucking, we'll punch and kick, but, you know, it's all work. And, I wanted to go to Tennessee. I get a call from Jody, and Jody says that WCW is thinking about doing um, um, a cruiserweight title. And I'm thinking, like, well, why is he calling me? Because I'm barely, I'm barely better than a jobber in ECW. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just a guy who wins occasionally on TV. And 
And uh, I'm thinking, like, okay, well, if I leave, I can get a decent payday and go. So I go, and I drive down to Atlanta or whatever the fuck the shit was, and they had me on the first night wrestling a big Van Vader, right? And and I'm just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> that's I don't no think cru- big, this, that's no- somebody weigh big Van Vader? Yeah, that's no cruiserweight. <laughs> did, did he make weight for the... No. <laughs> I mean, what is going on? And I never talked to the guy. We just go out there and we just, you know, we just beat the fucking tar off of me. And the worst part was I never talked to anybody in ECW about going because I didn't think that I really worked there. You know, mm-hmm. I never got phone calls every week about bookings or, you know, it was always like, if you show up, we'll use you. If you don't show up, you know, we won't use you. You know, it's not like we need you here, but uh, apparently I was an essential employee that uh, they just failed to let know. <laughs> and they they needed me for some fucking shit, and I'm just like, well, I'm in fucking whatever fucking place. And and um, I get I get home from where I was where I was at, and my mom. I, this wasn't. Uh, in somewhere in South Carolina, but I was staying in Tennessee at my mom's in Knoxville. I get home and my mom goes, some guy from Pennsylvania named Rob Feinstein or something? Like, he called here and he says, um, do you know that you're fired? And I said, what are you, fired? <laughs> fired from what? She goes, she goes I, I, think, I think you're fired from ECW. I go, how the fuck did he get your number? How the fuck did he know I was even here? And and he he even called my mom's house to tell me I was fired before I even got home from the fucking show. And I'm just thinking like, what the fuck's going on here? What kind of fucking cult is this fucking guy running? <laughs> did you did you ever and, even get a, did you ever even get a reason or anything? Did anybody ever follow up on that? <laughs> No, it happened again. <laughs> it, it it totally happened again. When I worked for Smoky Mountain, when I went to work for Cornette, I went to I went to Cornette because I was going. I was literally just going to my mom's house, like to visit in Knoxville. It's it's only it's less than six hundred miles, so it's just eight hours of a drive. You know, it's a between the sheets podcast. Fucking listen, it's fucking it's a marathon. <laughs> but um, but uh, I'm on my way down there, and and um, I, so I I, I talked to I, I don't remember the kid's name. I I want to say his name was Tom and Noe. I'm not positive. And they were in Johnson City, so I stopped off, left my name and number. Uh, as a matter of fact, John McAdams actually said that he saw me there. Like with my suitcase, t- talking to um, Brian um, Hildebrand about wanting work, and he said to the guy, "Like that's a guy who's hungry and wants to make it," because he knew I was from the East Coast, and Cornette booked me for a TV taping, whatever the next whatever day was, and I drove um, Bruiser Bedlam, which was a huge mistake. <laughs> does, does, does anybody have any stories about Bruiser Bedlam except me? Was he also Johnny Canine? Is that the guy I'm thinking of? 
Yes. Okay. But he was also somebody else that I don't know who the fuck he was, <laughs> but he threatened to kill me, and it was the first time that I ever believed somebody was going to kill me when they were fucking sitting right next to me. Wow. <laughs> I ain't never seen I ain't never seen somebody so confident about I'm going to kill you as as I saw with Johnny Kane on it. Damn. <laughs> I know he uh we we, he, we were it, we were driving he had like a bad man. wasn't he up for murder or something at one point is I I think we're talking about the same guy. Yeah, we yeah, totally. Yeah, like okay. he was like a mob guy. <laughs> okay, yeah, I know exactly and who you're talking I, about. I never knew this. Was this man murdered? Like, I never knew this. <laughs> Not just one person. He did? Allegedly, allegedly, yeah, I should say that. Allegedly. Like Jimmy Snuka, allegedly? I mean... Well, there's a, well, there's a, there's a good chance that that could have been number three. <laughs> and I had no idea. I had, I had absolutely no idea. <laughs> I'm, oh. I'm, working, I'm working for Cornette, right? Mm-hmm. Cornette tells me to, um, uh, this is where the show is, somewhere in South Carolina, whatever, whatever show I worked at. And, um, he's like, well, you're going to drive Bruiser Bedlam. And, you know, it was never a problem driving the guys. That was never a problem. And you're driving the, you're driving the guys and we're driving down this, um, long, like interstate, like two lane interstate. And I, I, I guess a tractor and trailer must have jackknifed. So there was like a, you know, 15-mile backup, pile-up, you know, collision, colliding, you know, bash-up, you know, extravaganza thing. And, and I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at Bruce with Bedlam going, I don't think we're going to make it <laughs> to the show. And he goes, oh, we're going to make it. And, and I just said... Um, but what if we can't? <laughs> and he goes, he says, oh, no, we're going to make it. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, I'll tell you what. If we don't make it to the show, I'm going to kill you. Jeez. And I just kind of was like, oh. <laughs> I took it like, you know, really, you're just going to kill me. And he goes, he goes, as in nobody's ever going to find you again, kill you. And and I said, so what do you want me to do? And he goes, drive on the side of the road. <laughs> so I got, I drove on the side of the road about 200 miles. I I I thought I was one of the Duke boys. <laughs> wow! And, and we we get to the building, and I just it's a, what? It was just as matter of fact as that. Be like, if you don't do this. I'm gonna kill you. Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you! I, I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't have an option at all. If somebody was this mad, <laughs> there, there wasn't a. There wasn't a B. <laughs> yeah, that would freak me out more. If somebody was just like super calm about it, not like you know, ran and raving, which just is like I'm talking to you right now. If you don't do this, I'm gonna kill you. Be like you know what? I believe you. So that dude, ser- <laughs> seriously. Seriously, we we went to the gym. It would be, uh, it would be it would be me, New Jack, Mustafa, D'Lo, uh, Balls, 
and and him. And 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 that's how we would figure out like where we're at, you know who's driving with who because who's going to what town. Yeah. That you know that makes sense. Yeah. Bruiser Bedlam and New Jack in the same crew. Yeah. So we, we that's well that wasn't happening in my car. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I did. I mean. Like one of the one of the stories I never told on the fucking on the Fantastic Six Hundred Five, the mothership, was where I was the um, I was the pit bulls. Uh, um, what, what do they call that when they when they stuff the animal with the fucking drugs? Uh, the mule. Yeah, I was a mule. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was a mule for the pit bulls. <laughs> or sacrificial. Land. I, I thought I thought Brian already. Oh yeah, I thought Brian already knew that, and he he never asked me, and I was like, "Thank God he never fucking got into that conversation." <laughs> so, um, Eddie Gilbert, let's talk more about Eddie. Like, what was some of the like? Was Eddie somebody that when you got to ECW, did did he was he attracted? I shouldn't say attract. Like, did did he notice you, or did you go to Eddie for advice? And because I'm a big Eddie, I'm a big Eddie Gilbert fan. I was just curious, like, was that something that he saw something in you, or you just was like, this is the guy I want to talk to and learn from? Uh, fuck, and Eddie didn't see shit and shit. Okay. Um, uh, it's weird because Eddie saw what he could he could get out of you as to what you could get out of you kind of thing. Yeah. But um when I when I when I got to Eddie, like it was um I was a fan. Mm-hmm. I just kept running into him and I just kept getting autographs. And I just kept saying like, dude, you're the fucking best. I mean, I baby face or heel. Baby face or heel, I have no problem with what you're doing. And then one day uh, you guys might know the date probably better than I do. What was it, the, uh, Terry Funk versus Eddie Gilbert? Was it an I Quit match? The match at the, in, at the airport thing for the NWA thing? Yeah, it was, it was that? Like 93? And then Kerry Von Erich there. Was, that was it ninety three? That wasn't the. Yeah, that was. So. I think so because I think that was. Uh, was that the NWA Bloodfest? I'd have to look that up and see. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't at the arena. It was at the airport uh, ballroom. It was. It was like I, I, I'm pretty sure. I know it wasn't at the arena. It was Eddie Gilbert, Terry Funk. I think it could have been. A, I quit. Terry Von Eric was there. Um, it was that that show. Okay. Well, I was in charge of be- I was in charge of being Eddie's like handler because Eddie knew me from being one of Carl Luzo's kind of lackeys, <laughs> for better word. And um, I also got kind of bummed into being Kerry Von Erich's lackey, which I would never have done again in a million years, no matter how desperate I was to get into the wrestling business. That was a total disaster. Um, especially, especially Eddie, at yeah, that time. Um, I heard, I heard Kerry was... Uh, go ahead, sir. Kerry, oh, that's what I was going to say, especially at that time, because I've heard some 
some bad things about Carrie at that time. He was in bad in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, honestly, dude, I'm not, I don't even want to judge about what way he was in because I've never I've never seen him do anything. But when I was told to go knock knock on his door to get him to come down to the ring, because you know, because at a hotel you can just walk out of your room and get an elevator and walk, to, you know, you know how it works, mm-hmm. and then you can go down to the ring. And Kerry Von Herrick was supposed to be a surprise, like um, like a like a surprise for the show. But he was wearing his it was Texas Texas tornado outfit, but a blue mask. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, honestly, in today's world, it would have worked a hundred times better than it than it worked then, <laughs> because everybody knew it was Kerry Von Erich, but there was no reason for Kerry Von Erich to not be Kerry Von Erich. There was there was no loser be Kerry Von Erich match. You know, <laughs> there, there wasn't a reason for him to be somebody else. <laughs> I was like, "Oh Jesus!" So, so literally, like um, Eddie, Eddie didn't live a, a lot longer, a lot, a lot long after this night. But I actually bought a picture at his stand. Like that night, just as a fan, like I literally, like uh, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was, he, he, and honestly, no errands whatsoever, none. He didn't want you to do anything for him. Yeah, nothing. He didn't want you to pick up nothing, call anybody, do shit, nothing. He, he just like, are you ready to go to the show? Are you? <laughs> well, I'm waiting on you. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's like, that's the best. And, and I'm just like, man, and I love how Eddie booked. Eddie, Eddie just took care of me. Like he, he looked at me like a kid in the locker room that he looked at me like I wasn't a wrestler until I was a wrestler until he made me a wrestler. You know what I mean? Now, do you know, I don't know if you know or not, Chad, like he, do, you, do you know if it, the, what I have heard is true, of course, being, as my podcast is called We Can't Wrestle, obviously Aaron and I are not smart, we're marks, but do you know, are there any truth to the rumors that the WWF was looking to bring Eddie in as part of the booking crew before he passed away? Uh... I'd go by, I would go by Jim Cornette's timeline okay. and I would say no because because there, there's so much intangibles that fall in place there. I mean, for one, you have the steroid trial um, and Eddie clearly being on the gas. Right. Uh, him barely even being on the booking committee in WCW. That wouldn't have done him anything really good. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't think so. I think if Eddie was going to be a booker in W in WWE, I think it would have been around maybe a year or two before that. Okay. But um, I don't, I don't think Eddie's name was ever brought up, and I think that pissed them off, honestly, because <laughs> because I, I, I honestly never really hung out with him. Like he never kind of like asked me to hang out. 
and I respected that because, you know, I didn't want my heroes to, like, disappoint me. And so I'd take it to his room, or I'd go, like, so what do you need? A bucket of ice? I'll get you a bottle of water, blah, 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 and do whatever. <laughs> but I don't want my heroes to disappoint me. So I never really asked to, like, be part of his society. And he never really did. He never really did that shit. Like, um... Like close the door and book shit. I, as far as I know, like he might he might come up with ideas in his head and maybe erase some ideas down down. But he wasn't like a guy that would just sit around with, with his friends and just throw out ideas. Okay. And and I was like, I thought I I thought he would have been honestly. That's how I am honestly. So as far as Polly goes, of course we got to know. Did you did you have much interaction with Polly when you were in ECW? And if so, what is what is that guy like? I mean, is he what, is he what we see on TV? Is he is he really that crazy? Is it all theatrics? <laughs> it's 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 smoke and mirror. It's magic. It's yoga. <laughs> it's it's um it's parkour. Uh, it's all that shit. I don't know what the fuck to tell you about this one. Um, I mean, like I I had Paul Paul's number, and I never knew. Honestly, I never knew the pro wrestling etiquette as to like who you can call. You know, mm-hmm. like who you can call, when you can call them, why you should call them, how you should call them, whatever. I never knew. Nobody told me that nonsense. I figured I got Paul's fucking number. <laughs> Shit, I'm gonna call Paul. Lee. Might as well use it. <laughs> and I call and I get some guy to go. Yeah, I mean, what the fuck? I'm gonna have it with my push. <laughs> and, and I, I call him. I, I I call and I get some fucking goofy dude answering the phone, and he's like, "Hey, um, Paul's not here. I'll take a message and I just tell him that I call." And then I'll, every once in a while I go, hey, can you tell Paul that I know this is you <laughs> and you just not call me back? <laughs> and and, and every, every once in a while Paul would call, it would be like every two weeks, he could call me and be like, hey, uh, are you upset about something? And I'd just be like, well, I tried to call you because I'm trying to line up like these dates. Like I like somebody booked me for these dates. And he goes, "Well, I got you booked for these dates or whatever." I'm going, "Well, you never called me, or you could have answered the phone, but you had the mystery house guest <laughs> um, answer the phone." And actually, actually, if you if you watch a lot of the fucking shoot shit, I bet you the mystery house guest. House guest, I bet you his name pops up more than you think it will. And I'm the one that coined that motherfucker. I'm, I said, "Who the fuck is the mystery house guest?" I'm gonna, I'm gonna be listening out for that. House. And <laughs> who, who, who do you think it was? Oh, I said I'm gonna be listening out for that now when I watch shoots. Now I'm gonna know. <laughs> well, I thought, dude. Originally, I thought it was Maddie. Remember Maddie oh, in the yeah, house? Maddie in the oh, house. Guy. I hate that guy. <laughs> I never met him, but I hate him. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> See, I never met him either because he only did he only did shit in post, 
and I never met him. And I thought, and I'm, I just, was, I thought that like uh, the guy said that like a cross between Maddie and Paul. <laughs> Paulie in the house. <laughs> so I, I just thought it was, I just thought it was Paul. It was Paul doing some. It was Paul trying to do some fake voice to tell you that he wasn't home. And to leave a message, because he, he would know why you were calling, and he wouldn't have to listen to the message kind of thing. And I'm just thinking, like, I know this is you. And who is this mystery house guest you got? Say, all right, man, this is uh, so-and-so, I'm Paul, whatever, I'm staying at Paul's house. And, you know, after a while, I was like, whatever, dude. All right, sure. I'm going to try that trick next time work calls me. Go ahead, Aaron. Well, I was just say a lot of people talk about Paul Heyman ask questions about Paul Heyman, but um, I was curious if you had any interest, like in in actual life. What type of guy was Todd Gordon? Did you have? I mean, obviously, you probably had interaction with him. How was Todd to deal with? I, uh, I mean, well, it's probably the worst guy you could ask about because I had no problem with Todd whatsoever. Yeah. Todd would hand me a check. He would th- he would shake my hand, and I look at the check, and I see the check, and I see that it was official, and I'll go, "Thank you, sir." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mister Gordon. And that that was about it. Yeah, all right. Yeah, Todd. Todd would. Todd was nowhere near like a Booker, or or if Todd. I'm sorry, I take that back. If Todd was a Booker or had anything to do with any of that stuff, he had nothing to do with anything on our end of the show. You know what I mean? We were the lower end of the show, and why would he? Sometimes it's nice to hear nice things about nice people instead of all the crazy shit, too, though. I was just curious. Yeah, I, I've never had a problem with Todd. Todd was always great to me. And, and As a matter of fact, I think Todd one time paid me out of his pocket. Like, um, when he, when he forgot to write me a check. That's a guy you want to work for. <laughs> yeah. Like the well, Todd was, Todd was never a problem. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm guessing that Todd's problem was that the ECW shit got to his head, right? Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of like swelled his head and, and he wanted to be part of the show. I'm, I'm guessing. Is that what happened to him? It seems like that's the case, um, and then of course after him and Paul, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know, but after, after him and Paul had their falling out, that's when checks really started bouncing and stuff. So, <laughs> oh, the HHG shit was everybody scratching their head, man. <laughs> yeah, when we started, when we started getting the checks that were like HHG, <laughs> and we were all going like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> Like we figured, all right, there's a Heyman. Uh, uh, yeah, where's a Heyman Gordon? Who's the third H or second H? That was house guest. We figured, who the fuck is this? Yep, it was a house guest. It was Heyman, and it was Gordon. That's what I what I thought when I would read that in 2001 when Vince bought HHG Incorporated. I thought, what did he get? A briefcase with a ham sandwich in it? There can't be anything left. Dude, I don't know what it is. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're. I I don't know what they were trying to make the company as. What was it? <laughs> it? You can't just. You can't just create a company and call it HHG. 
And what does HAC do? Well, they take care of business. <laughs> I, I guess. I don't fucking know. So as far as I the... mean, uh, I mean, they have no, they they have no overhead. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, the materials, the the cost is nothing. What I mean, what are they doing over there at HHG? <laughs> so as far as early days of ECW goes, one guy that, because um, to be honest with you, my my favorite time in ECW to watch is probably '93 until like early '96, and then I, I kind of check out. But I like the early days of ECW, and I wanted to ask if you knew personally or had any stories of Tommy Cairo, because I always liked Tommy Cairo to watch him, and then he kind of fades oh, away. Oh, dude, I, I feel so. Uh, do, do you really know Tommy Cairo personally? No, I do not. No, I do not. That's why I, know, yeah, I wanted to know. Like, oh man, I I, I wish I wish you did, dude. I, I just I, I just feel so bad for him. When when Paulie booked me against him, and they booked me going over him, and I just was just like, "Why is this happening? This should not be happening." And then I I, I saw the writing on the wall, and I was like, "Man, they're writing this guy off." You know, like a guy who's been there. I, I don't know what the what the reason was. I don't have a clue. And I was just like, "Oh my god, dude, they're writing this guy off." And then after he was gone, after I beat him, I, I, I liked him. I had no problem with him at all. I mean, you know, what I talked to him, fucking forty-five minutes <laughs> on a on a on a Saturday night, and and then I met him again, like on an independent show, like a few months later, and we worked again. And I let him know that, look, man, I had nothing to do with this. You know, clearly, this is all. This was all just political shit because I'm assuming he was a rock and rebel guy. I, you know, and that was the end of that era with the Stevie Michaels and all them other guys that they had, um, you know, from the old ECW guys. Yeah. And and having me and and having me beat them was, um, you know, an easy way to send them out. Yeah, but yeah, I, I have nothing against Tommy Cairo whatsoever. He he was a great guy, and 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 believe you me, I felt completely bad about beating him. <laughs> I completely did. Like, how am I beating this guy? Yeah, that's that's what to me it was always like when I was you know watching then, and then just go, when I go back and watch this stuff now, and just his abrupt his abrupt departure from the company and it's I think the guy could have had so much more to offer to ECW honestly and yeah I just I was I was curious about Dude, that I I agree then uh, uh side note, uh, I agree up. he all go ahead sorry what's that I was just I didn't mean to interrupt you you can finish what you're saying well well I was gonna say that I like the fact that um as he got older, he got that grizzled look to him where he started missing some teeth and then he started having that big, you know, muscular fat body kind of look. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's so much you can, there's so much you can do with that look. You know, there's a, there's a lot of craziness to that look. You know, when you're missing the top and bottom tooth, who does both? <laughs> Usually one of the looks of the, you know, the, 
Usually one of them are the other sexier looks. But this guy, he had what, one, one or two of both missing. And I'm like, well, if this guy sticks around, he can do a whole entire brawling gimmick, you know, and get a whole entire second life out of this shit. Mm-hmm. Aaron, I think you had a follow-up. Well, I was just going to say... I don't book. <laughs> I was just going to say you brought up Rebel, and I know how Rebel's life ended and I don't want to talk about that. I just I when he was around and when I watched I was always kind of I, I thought Rebel was kind of an underrated an underrated heel and I just was curious of how Rebel was in the locker room and did, his work and everything Evan was. Did you're making me smile. You're making me smile as you even say his name. I just found the guy very entertaining. Uh, there is, I thought he could have done a lot more, in my opinion. Or people could have done a lot more with him, not him do a lot. Dude, I can, I can tell you this. I can sit here, and the first thing I'm going to look at you, in my time frame, it's 844 right now at night, and I can sit there and tell you, fuck you, rock and rebel. <laughs> and I can sit there and laugh as soon as I say it. Because that motherfucker is behind some of the worst ribs, <laughs> uh, and I mean this in the in the great way. Like Rock and Rebel was somebody that I have loved since uh, probably ninety three, ninety four when I first started at ECW. That that shit was um. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree about not talking about it, but I don't agree about not celebrating the shit that he's done. Well, that's what I meant. Like, I don't, I didn't want to harp on, I didn't want to harp on how it ended. I wanted to talk more about the the life he lived, you know, and and just if you had any, like, you just brought up ribs, like maybe some of the better ribs that he did, or just any positive type thoughts, Rebel. But, yeah, um, we were managed by Jason at the same time in, like, 84 or whatever. And they had me, I was booked against Benoit, Sabu, and Rebel. And the same tapings. You know, I'm 190 pounds, whatever. I'm probably half fucking loaded to begin with. And I'm thinking, what the fuck? And... Me and Rebel were going, and then when Rebel finds out that he, that he's doing the job, oh, this is the best. Rebel finds out he's doing the job, and he looks at me and he goes, "What?" <laughs> and um, and Paul's going like, "Well, this is this is what I want." And Rebel goes, "Oh, oh, okay, okay." So we go out there, and it's I think it's on the network. I'm pretty sure it's on the TV. Um, well. Jason kind of fires him or whatever, and we have this match, and he beats the fucking shit out of me all around the ring. Like, he beats me outside, takes me over the guardrail, beats the fucking tar off of me, and I mean, fucks me up, throws me in the ring, and somehow I win. And he's like, <laughs> fuck you, Chad. When uh when I like when I like rolled him up and I was like, dude, I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> and, and me and Rebel were uh, were honestly we were friends like ever since. Like we 
because we I knew that he had the license for all the shows that we can get booked on the same shows. So yeah, I mean, Rebel was that that was kind of a that was kind of a big deal, man. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, that was the best. The look on his face and him just going like, "What the fuck? They're gonna <laughs> put this little fucking fuck over me." <laughs> So as far as Jason goes, what about what about Jason? I mean, he was he was uh, when I was a kid or not a kid, but early teen, what have you, in the nineties. He was all over WWF TV talking about job guys. You know, he was jobbing on the WWF shows, and then uh, the Jason character in ECW. How was he to work with? Well, apparently he made enough money doing jobs on the WWE that he got himself a nice suit. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much the WWE was paying for um, TV talent at the time, but he saved up all his trans money and he got himself a fantastic suit. Um, <laughs> dude, if Jason even knew who the fuck I was, I'd be surprised. Okay. <laughs> that that levels that then. <laughs> So, yeah. I, so to uh, huh? to kind of put a cap on it, there's a story, and then we'll uh, we'll let you get back to your uh, your friends and family. But there's a story that I want to hear. Aaron kind of alluded to this the other night when we were talking. Tell us about Arn Anderson and the Titty Bar. Uh, well, oh my God, dude! This is I I, I feel bad because. I gotta find a better story to end this with because I I don't think this is gonna be the I don't think this is gonna be the story that you want because it really wasn't anything spectacular. Um, okay. If you want me to if you want me to paint it out like it was an '80s movie, I can do that for you. But it might take a little while, and I don't know how much time you guys got left on this goddamn podcast. But I was invited to be in WCW. I was invited to be in WCW because I thought it was going to be a cruiserweight tournament. And I get there and they decided it's going to be like, no, they're going to wrestle Vader. Not going to be a cruiserweight title a tournament match. Because clearly when I'm standing against my opponent, it's Vader. He's got 205 pounds and less. <laughs> and then I realized something is amiss here. And then when we go out to the ring, Vader destroys me in two minutes and 22 seconds. And then I realized my career as a heavyweight finished. So maybe I'd better go back to the uh, cruiserweight division <laughs> that this company promised me they were going to develop. And I go back to the, the hotel that we're all staying at, and Arn Anderson is standing there drinking having a beer, obviously having a rough night because his booking ideas didn't go as he sucked plans. That's what I think. They want to miss. And then he just, when the, 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 the lady comes in, she goes, we have a bar going to the... Um, I think it's called the Dollhouse. I don't know what it's called. It's in Atlanta, and the ho the hotel bus goes there. And he looks at me and he goes, "Hey, do you want to go?" And I go, "Where to the strip club?" And I go, "Well, why wouldn't I want to go to the strip club?" <laughs> and he goes, "All right, let's go to the strip club." And he looks at me and he goes, "Like I'm kind of like a pimply face kid, <laughs> you know? You know, I got some borrowed singlets." some old boot laces that were from a grizzled veteran that I were handed down from generations. <laughs> you know, my knee pads that were mixed and matched, you know. I didn't have much going on for me as a young lad going on in those days. 
And we get to the strip club, and Orange just grabs me by the, the shoulder, and he tells me, come on, stick with me. And I go, okay, well, you're on Anderson. I mean, shit, okay. And we walk over to the stage, and he hands me a 20. And as soon as they hand me that 20, I went and put it in my pocket. Because <laughs> that was better than I got for that paid off that night. <laughs> that paid off for getting my ass kicked by Vader, right? <laughs> or a little bit, maybe. Well, I got a, I, I actually I actually got a thousand dollars like for the Vader payoff. But that was like a week later. But the the Arn Anderson twenty dollar payoff was instant. <laughs> So I took it. Like, fuck you, I'll take this shit. <laughs> and I, I can stop off at one of them, what do they call it? Blippies? <laughs> Blippies. Where do you call that shit down there? <laughs> the sub sandwich place? Yeah, it was awesome. And like, <laughs> like yeah, like, like, Arn just wanted somebody to hang out with him at the strip club. <laughs> and me being so fucking unassuming with a fucking pathetic mullet, you know, <laughs> and an awful looking physique. And, a borrowed singlet that he just thought that, uh, you know, I'll take this guy to the strip club because I'll get over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I saw what he was doing. I gotta, he got to He got to kid me. I watch '80s movies. <laughs> I know how to fucking. I know how to get over on kids. <laughs> so who? Uh, okay. All right. We'll cap. The, I'm gonna cap it off with this. Who are your say two best friends in the business? Oh my God! Best friends in the business. Yeah, just looking back on the time, your time in the business, you know, who were the guys you were the closest with? Your your best your best friends. Dude, I'm, I, honestly, sir, I'm get, I'm getting married. I'm getting married in May, and I had the heart not 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 this May, next May. Because okay. uh, yeah, this could you know I'm waiting for something to happen. This 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 can't happen, and um. I, I had when I had to pick my best man. I had to pick my best man based on who was going to get pissed off if they weren't the best man. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, this guy will get pissed off if I pick him, and he'll get pissed off if I pick him. So, so I had, so it's kind of it's kind of hard. Um, oh my god, honestly, I, I honestly really don't have any best friends in the business because I'm not in the business anymore. Okay. To tell you the truth. And Axel Rotten was probably one of my best friends in the business. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of tough because most of the people that I know that were in the business are not in the business. And that's not like why we have friendships. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. You oh, know what absolutely. I'm saying? Absolutely. I don't, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just not in the business anymore. And I get asked to do shit, and I did a match, like, last April. Dude, it was awesome. I did a match last April because one of my one of my best, oh, no, you know what? Who, who the fuck am I? The best friend in, that I have in the business is Ruckus. Now I feel like a total fucking asshole. I forgot to say Ruckus. <laughs> He's my best friend in the business. Do you guys know who, you, who he is? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Combat zone, like yeah, yeah. Well, and you DNA don't, you don't, and shit like that. You don't have you don't have to worry about him hearing that. Nobody listens to this show anyway. <laughs> no, Cora won't give a fuck. 
Yeah, Claude's my fucking boy. I mean, literally, he lives down the street from me, so I talked to him so much that's why I didn't even think of it. Yeah, he lives right down the street from me. Well, but this, this has definitely been a pleasure, man. So if you guys have any more questions, I don't mind answering them because I'm having a great time because... Aaron, do you have? If I go outside, it's not going to be talking about wrestling. <laughs> well, no, I, I think. I mean, there's no new jack shit. Well, I was going to say um, that was something I wanted to talk about, but um, with with this, and I think it's gone fairly well. I mean, I think it'd be cool to kind of have a uh, Chad Austin part two. We can maybe move more into like some of the later things, like with the new jack situation and and. Stuff like that. If if you wouldn't mind doing another one down the road, I don't mind doing anything. All right, all right. Well, Chad, I want to thank you. I'm totally, I'm, I'm totally down. Awesome, awesome. I've, I've had an awesome time talking to you, man. Um, this is, and for those of you that don't know, we have never the three. Well, Aaron and I obviously have, but we've never actually talked to Chad on the phone or anything before we started this, and. I've really enjoyed having you on, Chad. It's been great. Oh, that's fantastic, and I, I enjoyed being on. And just a little um, conversation that we had before we went live on this uh, the, the tape that I felt like we were friends automatically. And and anytime you guys want to have you back on, don't even even hesitate to call me because you know we're already at, at, at almost nine o'clock tonight on my time, and I'm still. You know, ready to hang out. So, you know, I'm glad to be there. And there you have it from a few years ago. Our interview with Chad on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We had a blast. And again, it, it sparked a relationship that we have doing this great show, Reliving the Extreme each and every week. We love having Chad as part of the WrestleNet Radio podcast family. And I just thought you guys might think that was a cool little trek backwards uh, to the days when my audio sucked. Here on the network. But anyway, I want to thank you all for joining me here. This was episode 95 of Reliving the Extreme, and we will get back to our show reviews next week as we review the episode of ECW from February the 7th, 1995. And that being said, everybody, I'll see you next week, and so will Aaron and so will Chad here on Reliving the Extreme. Have a great week, everybody.